cowbell. Split time fighting answers without a doubt. Split time will help you figure it out. Split time back to tell the whole world about Split Talk. It's time for another exciting, action-packed, fun-filled episode of Splunk Talk. Today's panel of Splunkers is starts off with Jeff Blake out of Chicago. How's it going out there, Jeff? It's going good, Michael. Thank How are you? you? I'm good. I'm good. Our good buddy Maverick out of Dallas. What's going on down there in, in Dallas today? Yeehaw! How's it going, everybody? <laughs> That's fairly appropriate. <laughs> nice. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, yours truly, uh, Michael Wild, affectionately known as the Splunk Ninja, and I'm out of Austin. It's getting uh, hot already, Texas. So. Splunk Ninja, how's that's, it going? That's it's it's going good today. It's uh, going very good. Um, and people see you. Are you like hidden? Or are you like a real ninja? Or? I'm actually thinking about replacing the uh, playing the smoke monster now that Lost is over. <laughs> Sweet, because um, I'm confused by that whole ending. <laughs> Maybe that'll clear things up. Hey, there's a movie coming out. So so what are we doing today, man? Uh, we're doing Spunk Talk today. Spunk Talk is a weekly show where uh, we answer some questions sent in by listeners, collected from various forums, support cool. cases, Splunk answers, things like that. Very cool. Um, visit Splunk.tv to subscribe or listen live every Friday at 11 Central Standard or daylight time, whatever time of the year it is. As always, to be a part of the show and submit a question, just send an email over to splunktalk at splunk.com. That's S-P-L-U-N-K-T-L-K at splunk.com. Splunktalk at splunk.com. Sounds good. That's right. Splunktalk. Woohoo! So we've got our, uh, you know, the main part of our show is our Q&A panel here. And we've got uh, a couple of questions that have come up over the past uh, week or so. And we've got kind of a general theme for today's discussion. We may focus on different topics in the future. But starting off today's Q&A with uh, our good buddy Jeff Blake. Jeff, what do you got for us today? Uh, Well, Michael, we've got a question that uh, comes up a lot with uh, customers uh, once they get going with Splunk um, they'll ask why would I want to use or why would I want to create more than one index in a single instance of Splunk what, what do you mean like um, other than the default default one right so default is the the main index that we're used to using with the search app and other things and People find out that there's a underscore audit database. They find out that uh, if they download some apps, for example, the Unix app, that that goes into a Unix index. Um, why do we do it that way? Why do we have? Why do we maintain more than one index? So I throw that out to you guys, and uh, uh, you can answer. Well, I guess uh, one reason would be to um, segment data. Possibly, maybe you want to have different retention periods, and so you can set uh, different retention policies for different indexes so that would be one one thing you put syslog in one index maybe windows in another kind of a thing maybe yeah i've also seen folks uh put different data into different indexes for uh, sometimes for security purposes so they'll set uh, maybe all the firewall logs go into an index called firewall and only certain users maybe of the security team are allowed to search or even access that data 
And then, you know, maybe the web analytics or, you know, operational data for WebSphere and WebLogic might go in another database called, uh, let's say, uh, Java Apps, for example. And that team might have access to it. And as Jeff said, uh, you can also have uh, a different retention policy on a base, uh, on a per index basis. So those are some of the things that, uh, that I've seen. Also, like performance, isn't performance better also if you have smaller sets and it's kind of spread out in parallel across indexes? It probably would be good on resources as well, I think. Yeah, it absolutely can be, definitely. Um, you know, if, if you are going to search, if you're not searching over firewall data, um, you can put it in a separate index and not even search on it if, if you're looking for, for web data. So just keeping it completely separate is also an interesting uh, performance uh, benefit. Cool. Awesome. Good one there. What about you, Wow? What do you got? You got, any, got a good course? Yeah, thanks, Maverick. I got a, good, I got a question here. A little long-winded, hopefully. But uh, the, the question comes from a user uh, filed a support case just asking, asking a question in the community. Uh, their question was, we are trying to forward and index IIS, or Microsoft Internet Web Server Logs, from different sets of .NET applications. And for organizational purposes, we need to use different source types. Is there any way that we can specify a source type other than IIS and still have Splunk recognize the files as IIS and extract the fields automatically? Well, yeah, I mean, I guess you could always set it manually, like when you add it, instead of letting Splunk default to the automatic. I think I think when you first add an input, it'll do automatic if you don't change it, and then um, you could always set it to be the type that you want, I suppose, and then um, uh, maybe so, more tweak tweak it at that point. Yeah, tell us. Yeah, tell tell everyone how the, the two different ways we can do that. Oh yeah, so exactly. So in the in the UI, there's an option actually um, when you're adding a data input where you can actually select manual instead of automatic, and then it'll give you a uh, an area where you can type in the name of what you want it to be, um, and you can put an IIS or IIS, my IIS or whatever whatever name you want, and you can do that with any source type. It's anything that you're adding as a data input, you can do that with, and then the config files like uh, in props.conf and uh, transforms.conf, you can get really fancy and say, you know, if it's already set as IIS, maybe you want to intercept it and rename it as something different as it's right before it's indexed. You could set that configuration as well. And this is all documented at Splunk.com. If you search for like dynamic assignment of source types, I believe you'll find it there. Yep. Is that what you're, that's your meaning, Jeff? Yeah, so as, yeah, exactly. And, you know, just, just for more background, we, we give you those options so that, uh, Obviously, source type, just like source and hosts and and other met metadata that we maintain in the index, it just makes uh, isolating uh, data out of the index much more easier in searches, and it lets you have the option to pinpoint your your searches much more rapidly by using those things. Like filtering, whitelisting down to only those things, yeah. Kind of regardless of what host it's on. That that's what that's one thing I think some people don't realize is they may want to pinpoint a type of thing, but not re without regards to what host it's coming from. Maybe they want to see the counts of which host that, that those particular bits are coming from, and if there's a spike and so forth. Right, right. Another thing that I've also seen that will help answer this question: this person, you know, they have IIS logs, but they'd like to have a different source type name. Maybe it's a you know finance group, for example. IIS is log format at the very top of it. Uh, IIS has a bunch of comments that tell what version of uh, Internet Information Server it is and also has a field pattern, which is usually space delimited. 
So if you let Splunk auto source type it, it'll figure out its IIS and it will, it has a default setting uh, that is known as check for header equals true. If you'd like to source type it as something else like finance group IIS, for example, uh, you can also go into props.conf for that new source type and tell Splunk to check for header equals true. And of course, it will um, look at the header of the file and then use that for the field extraction pattern. That's very, a, very cool. That's what he's going to want to do. It is. Yeah, and the other thing also just along this topic that I've also helped customers with is um, if you have two different types of IIS, like you have the regular W3C and then you have the extended version, right, which has a few more fields in it. Um, if you were to source type those differently and then maybe uh, start it out with the name of it IIS underscore and then something to say extended or something like that, then you could search on source type equals IIS star. I mean, and it would get both types and merge them all together, which I thought was is that's pretty nice. You can use the wildcard like in the value on our metadata as well as your own fields and other other things that you're searching on. I thought it's kind of cool. Very very good. Um... In a moment, I'm sure Maverick has come to the table with a question, but I just want to take a quick break and uh, talk about an upcoming event that we've got going on August 9th through 11th of this year, Splunk's very first Worldwide Users Conference. It is going to be hosted by Splunk Woo-hoo. and its community at the Palace Hotel in San Francisco. Again, that's Swanky. August August 9th through 11th. If you go to Splunk.com, there's a link on the right-hand side that talks about the user conference. And we've got, you know, what's the user conference all about? We've got something like seven different tracks of sessions, about 40 different sessions from the smartest Splunkers around the world, people that work at Splunk, people that develop Splunk software, um, present company included, and of course, customers and people in the community. You know, you get to learn from... Uh, folks who know, use, and love Splunk. Uh, there's a pre-conference called Splunk University. And we've got something, like I said, uh, right around 40 or so sessions from everything. How to figure out a Splunk deployment. How to learn tools like Regex. And even a lot of tips and tricks. I think you guys are are going to be doing a couple of uh, sessions there. Is is that correct? Well, yeah, of course. Yep. We're both doing a, a handful. You can Ooh. tell we're pretty excited about it, too. We are. So. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty fun thing. So ch- check it out. <laughs> you go to, again, go to Splunk.com. There's a link on the right-hand side to talk about the user conference. Get in early. I know there's some discounts. And uh, it's always fun to come to San Francisco and hang out with people at Splunk. Bring uh, your guitar. Bring your guitar. Bring your guitar. A, bring your guitar. A, jam, a circle. Uh, bring bring my cowbell. Bring your cowbell. Bring your cowbell. Yeah, we're going to be doing some songs um, like uh, the ones uh, that everybody loves, like Stairway to Heaven and, um, and so on and so forth. This will be a lot of fun. No, but seriously, we are going to have a jam session and one of the uh, meetings probably in the evening, um, and we're going to have a few people ringing it. So that'll be fun, too, just to kind of let loose and get to know one another. So please plan to come out and have some fun with us. Yeah, it will be a great time. So I think we've right, got, got – what do you got? What do you got for I us got today? a question. All right. So, so – um, Talking about forwarders, so Splunk running in a forwarding mode. Uh, a lot of times, um, people when I mention that that that's kind of the recommended way to to be able to push the data uh, in a reliable, secure fashion. Um, sometimes I get um, you know the question, well, why can't I just use the WMI because I'm because they're on Windows, they just want to use WMI, or they may already have a snare app appliance or 
whatever, to forwarding uh, the Windows data over in a um, you know, syslog type format or whatever, a you know, single line flattened down version of it. Um, so they, they usually want to know, like, what, what do we recommend? Why do we recommend? What's the best practice around uh, those choices? You know, snare versus WMI versus a splint forwarder. So I throw that out and maybe you guys can offer some enlightenment on that topic. Sure. There's probably a, a lot of different reasons, but the ones I, I bump up most often is, uh, well, first of all, we always like to use Splunk products when it's possible. So the Splunk forwarder, uh, it has a, a much much easier for us to support it if if it's if if it's all Splunk in the uh, solution, and the filtering, the all the different things that you can do uh, natively with Splunk, uh, you can do in a forwarder as well. So that that's all good. Uh, but we recognize that sometimes, uh, and it happens a lot in the Windows world, that uh, uh, people are kind of averse to putting agents out on their hosts. And uh, if you've already got a, um, you've already got a setup with with a um, with a DC where you can pull through WMI, that's right. a great way to to go ahead and and get the data out of the event logs from all the servers that you want and bring it back. Same thing with Snare. If you've already got that in place, it works. It's not, like if, it's like if you've already invested the money and the yeah. time and effort to do it, you might as well just take advantage of it. Yeah. 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 And I think the the big thing there is if you've got people that are already used to it, if you've got administrators that have that skill set, that that's the way to go. If you're starting from scratch, forwarders are the way to go. Yeah. And also what I've seen is, you know, when I talk to customers and and just the general users about getting data from Windows. You know, we do at Splunk, we do have a general approach that, you know, if you want to bring your own mechanism to get data into Splunk, that's great, you know, whether you're using WMI or even Snare. But uh, the cool thing about, you know, um, using uh, the Splunk forwarder, if you were using Snare, for example, it, it, it's good at uh, transporting uh, Windows event logs over syslog protocol. Usually it's done over UDP. And while people can argue whether that's reliable or not, it usually works pretty well. Sure. But um, the Splunk forwarder can collect almost anything else from that Windows machine. So let's say you wanted to monitor a couple of registry uh, entries. You wanted to monitor uh, your Active Directory. You had some custom logs like the Exchange Message Tracking Log or even IIS logs. Or heck, you wanted to capture change to a couple of configuration files. Maybe you wanted to make sure that no one ever added a hosts file to Windows. Uh, which is a pretty common uh, common security thing. I, so I could the, I could see that I could totally see that the forwarder is really good at that, and the forwarder is also extremely fault tolerant. You lose network connectivity, someone reboots a Splunk server, someone disconnects something along the way, it will uh, pick up where it, it left off and transfer all the data. It's a it's a pretty cool little piece of technology that works really well. So. Yeah, I've also heard from my customers about um, you know they usually if they're Windows uh, if it's a Windows shop and they'll start out with WMI and then they'll graduate to forwarders because they'll realize you know either from a compliance perspective or just a security perspective they they need to encrypt the data so they'll do it for that just the encryption part of it um, because if Splunk's on both ends of the pipe we can we can do the SSL right so um, so that that ends up being um, something that that they'll end up using and also just that reliability factor like you're saying you don't want to get gaps in the data you want to be pushing pushing it i think is always more reliable than pulling it um just in a general it sense i think excellent questions great answers especially from jeff 
Uh, <laughs> Jeff, yeah, way to go. If you, the listener audience or, or anybody on the other end of the set of headphones, would like to submit a question to be answered on air, uh, there's a lot of ways to get to us. Easiest way is just send a note, email, fax, whatever, to splunktalk at splunk.com. Splunk Talk. Woohoo. All right. Next, let's have a little discussion. If anybody's got any interesting topics for the week, uh, any news on what's happening with Splunk or things that have been going on. Well, we've been continuing to roll out uh, with our marketing team the Splunk Lives. I know we've got uh, we finished up a, a couple of weeks back. Uh, we did um, St. Louis and Minneapolis, and I think last week we were on the West Coast somewhere. I I can't recall off the top of my head, but uh, Splunk Live coming soon to your town. Make sure you uh, watch the website for that, and always really great uh, group of people. Customers usually do a presentation. You learn some of the new Splunk stuff. And the afternoon session is all about uh, technical education. So you can stick around. Uh, free breakfast, free lunch, and lots and lots of good uh, Splunk stuff. Pretty much free, right? Yeah, it is. It's all free. It's yeah. all free. I heard some rumor that there were at Splunk Live in Washington, D.C., there was something like 180 people that showed up to that. No, no kidding. Yeah, it, awesome. broke our, it broke our record, actually. Yeah, exactly. It's so much they had to start charging for food. <laughs> not, not seriously, but I'm pumped. So, but um, yeah, no, um, no, it was it broke records, and we were really proud of that. But uh, I was I couldn't believe it. I've been to a bunch of these, and it's just it's really cool to see it growing uh, each time. Just more and more people are interested, more people showing up, and um, and they always see, seem to get a lot out of it. Not, besides the free stuff, which everyone loves, they, and the free t-shirts and the cool t-shirts, but they love the, uh, the exchange. I think talking with one another, right. Other customers. I think that's the biggest value. Same thing with like the user conference too, right. Is just being able to share with other users, um, candidly about how they're using and leveraging this, such a creative technology, like, like what we have here. Splunk live. Pretty cool. Maverick, what do you got? What do you got this week? Uh, well, this, you might not believe this and I don't know if I mentioned this yet, but, um, I actually used, okay. So just the background a little bit. So here at Splunk in the, in the Plano office, yes, we do have an office here in Plano, Texas. Um, me and the other people here, uh, started a a Texas lotto group where we're, you know, contribute a dollar a week each and we get numbers picked, whatever. So I decided, because we were trying to figure out the best way to pick random numbers, I use Splunk's random number generator and the fact that my data is very random, right, in nature. So I was able to do a search on, like, error and failed and the typical things to to look for in my data. And then I was able to use some of the other really cool mechanisms and uh, searching capabilities of Splunk to actually create a uh, lotto picker. So I have like one for Mega Millions, Texas Mega Millions, a Powerball picker. It picks it picks the numbers for the main numbers and then also the Powerball within the same ranges. And I'm using the greater than, less than. I'm using, um, you know, if the if statements and stuff to make sure that I that I narrow down and then dedupe to make sure I only pick one number from each category. It's really cool. It was really neat to as an as a project to see if I could do it, and it totally worked. It took me about an hour to think it through and about five minutes to develop the search. Oh, that was really cool. Yeah, that's kind of sweet. You know, I, I tell, I tell folks that Splunk's search language has almost every mathematical function of Microsoft Excel in it. And it's kind of cool that you came up with a lotto app. It'd be interesting to see if you guys actually win. Right? Yeah. If we did, then you know, I'd make sure everybody knew that it was Splunk that helped us win. So, yeah. but, um, but yeah, awesome. that's just, 
I have uh, recently seen, we, we, you know, um, Google has come out with the new version of Android. I think it's their Froyo is their um, code name for it, or 2.2. And Flash now runs on the Android. Me being a iPad, iPod, i everything fanboy, unfortunately miss out on Flash. But uh, we have a Splunk user out there. I believe his name is Miko, Mika. Uh, he's at mysecondhead.blogspot.com. I'll I'll post a, a link on this, but he has Splunk running on his Android phone. No pa- way. Yeah, part of Splunk's user interface uses Flash, and he's showing how he's doing real-time searches, and everything's working perfectly on Flash and the Android, which is pretty uh, pretty sweet. I think That's it's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. So um, we've That's also... Like that's like a milestone kind of that we passed that milestone, I guess. Yeah, well, at least it's a milestone for having Flash running on the uh, on the Android device. But it is kind of cool that they those Android users can experience the full Splunk user interface as well. Um, I have also seen a couple of folks that are working on an iPhone app uh, for or, uh, for Splunk as well. So, you know, are you the, je- are you jealous because it's not on iPad or it? Or? App- Absolutely not. Absolutely okay, not. I didn't think you were. <laughs> just <laughs> Spl- thought I would check. Splunk actually runs quite well on the iPhone and iPad. I just miss out on the really? on the flash timeline and and the graphs. But a lot of times, um, I more care about just the real raw data. So, yeah, you're more technical, so you care about the table version. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm just more technical, anyways. So, mm. woohoo! Yeah. Anyway, so let's. Uh, <laughs> Let's kind of wrap up this episode and talk a little bit about, you know, what what did we learn this week? Anything kind of splunky or just anything interesting? Uh, throw it on out there. Well, um, I don't know, Jeff, what do you got? I learned uh, about a new app that is about to be launched, uh, the Splunk IBM for WebSphere app. I actually took it to a couple customers, and uh, first thing I learned is that the WebSphere activity logs are very verbose and kind of difficult to manage, much more so than a typical uh, um, app server type uh, logging. But the, the the app that was co-developed uh, internally with Splunk as well as with uh, uh, one of our partners, Perficient, uh, I worked with those guys cool. this week and we really got some some great stuff moving. So keep an eye out for that. Very very cool. Did well, how was the experience working with them? I mean, they were helping spec it out. Did you? How long did it take? Um, it didn't take long at all. The app's pretty much wrapped up. Um, cool. Installing it's a breeze. Using it's a breeze. They did a really good job of mapping it to 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 the uh, to the logs that are coming from IBM. So and smart know, guys. It works out great. I know I got a I got a customer. One of my customers actually, I think I recommended that's looking at the beta version. I think now. Um, I think we're doing that with a few of them. You know, I um, speaking of apps, uh, my good buddy Will Hayes, who works here at Splunk in the business development group, he built and has been working on an app for Cisco's technology. It's called Splunk for Cisco Security. And it has a bunch of add-ons that support all a wide variety of Cisco's products. But the Cisco app, check it out at SplunkBase.com. He released a new version this week that uh, does correlation on uh, botnet traffic. So the Cisco app oh, is cool. free. It's got some really great dashboards, a real-time threat map, some real-time search in there. And if you're a Cisco user, either at your home 
uh, or in your company. Um, of course, there's a free version of Splunk. And uh, the Cisco app is is free as well. So that's it's it's a pretty, pretty sweet app. You're going to have to check it out. So. There's actually uh, several uh, Cisco modules that you can download off of Splunk Base. We didn't really talk about that too much, but Splunk Base is our community site where users, developers, and even some of our internal folks uh, can sort of collaborate, put a bunch of uh, free apps up there, and uh, anybody that's got a Splunk account can go up there, pull down stuff that's uh, relevant, and use it, modify it, whatever you want. It's great. Yeah, and also another place that I've been getting learning my stuff from uh, lately, and I actually I kind of I'm very proud of this. I'm actually on the leaderboard for it. It's um, Splunk Answers. You guys have heard of that, right? Or maybe you haven't because I'm not seeing you on the board. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm really I am I'm really proud to be up uh, way up in there, uh, up on the up on the leaderboard. But yeah, it's just you know you get reputation points for asking questions and getting answers, and, and it's really amazing how I'm getting uh, my own customers are answering my my questions, not just internal Splunk engineers and professional services folks and so it's pretty it's pretty cool it's a really i'm starting to feel like it's a real community now and i learned about um this week i learned about a new command called acum a c c u m and and i piped to it and in a search and i'm able to actually get accumulate a number like add a number to, you know as the events are coming in so i can keep track of which event i'm on and I can use that then to, uh, I used that in the Texas Lotto app and I used it with a few other searches I did for some customers this week. So it's really, it was really interesting. I didn't know it was in there until, um, until I posted that question and got the answer back, uh, nice. within about an hour. It was really great. Yeah. Acume. So check it out, pipe to it, test did it. You, did you feel bad that you didn't get points for that one? I didn't get points. Actually, I got negative points for a few. People can Ooh. actually vote you down. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this um, I did not know. Okay, I, let me get uh, to work. It, I, it was it was interesting. Is like I really kind of felt bad. And it's funny. It's really cool how some of the community comes to my defense and go, "Wow, why are we giving Maverick a negative? You know, negative vote. We should vote this one back up. This is actually good. It's kind of neat to see people come to your rescue and kind of your defense and and it's and have comments. You can post comments to it too. So. So I encourage you guys to get on there and everyone listening to get on there and try it and you might find Or you can out. just go there and get your questions answered and go back to work. And then you won't have a reason to listen to this show. But So that's at, uh, that's answers.splunk.com. Check that out. And that wraps up this week's episode of Splunk Talk. Uh, thanks, Jeff, Maverick. Thank, and thank you. Of course, thank you. Of course, the Splunk Ninja. Ninja. Um, again, couple more, couple reminders. Splunk.com. Of course, you can go and download the product. It's free. Uh, and we've got the user conference coming up. And of course, if you want to participate in the show, uh, we've you know we're taking ideas for it. We're going to be interviewing some people along the way. And of course, the main thing is to answer questions from people who are using or care about Splunk. So just give us a give us an email. Shout out, complaints, whatever you want to say at SplunkTalk at Splunk.com. And thanks for listening. Y'all better watch out now. Because Splunk is about to die.